Nobody ever told us when we rented this house for the summer that it was haunted. But I suspected there was a problem because when we first looked at the house, the owner said, she was female, young, said, oh, I'm so sorry, but somebody's already rented it. Well, that guy had a U-Haul, moved all his stuff in for the summer, spent exactly two nights in the house, a, a Friday night and a Saturday night, packed up the U-Haul and left on Sunday and never even asked for his money back. Hi, this is Johnny Gilman formerly known as the Queen of Jeans on HSN, but now host of my own podcast, Too Young to Be Old. I have a question to ask. Do you believe in the paranormal? Do you believe in ghosts coming back to visit, to haunt? Well, after the stories that are personal, deeply personal, my experiences, after I have a chance to tell you, I think you just might be believing. Well, first of all, about 25 years ago, uh, still living in Manhattan, we wanted to get away for the summer, and uh, we decided to rent a house in Connecticut. Now, Connecticut is the number one state in America for hauntings and ghosts and ghost stories, but it never even occurred to me. We saw a few houses and then we went to visit a house that had a long, almost mile long, winding, very, very perpendicular driveway up to a beautiful stone house that was sort of positioned into a guest house and a main house. The guest house was charming. It had huge high ceilings, and the center point was a walk-in, and I do mean adult walk-in, stone hand-laid fireplace. Spectacular. To the back was a very, very dark forest, and it was positioned on a cliff, and to the front and this is very classic in Connecticut, it was a layered stone garden. So we rented the house. And here was the story of the house. Cardinal, Catholic Cardinal Vincent Peel, Norman Vincent Peel, was a huge presence in the Catholic Church, but also even on TV, um, during the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, his personal assistant, female, had built the house from scratch, never been married, served him her whole adult life, and died in the home. Nobody ever told us when we rented this house for the summer that it was haunted. But I suspected there was a problem because when we first looked at the house, the owner said, she was female, young, said, oh, I'm so sorry, but somebody's already rented it. Well, that guy had a U-Haul, moved all his stuff in for the summer, spent exactly two nights 
in the house, a, a Friday night and a Saturday night, packed up the U-Haul and left on Sunday and never even asked for his money back. So already I'm thinking, what would make somebody that anxious to blow thousands of dollars and just leave? Well, I found out. So first of all, I became obsessed with the house and I wanted to go to the garden stores every weekend and I wanted certain kinds of hanging baskets with brightly colored geraniums in them and we put them on hooks in every single window and niche and I was always tending them and taking care of them and getting really cranky with people that wanted to move them or not have them blocking a little bit of sunlight. So one day the owner and she became very friendly with us came over and she had a scrapbook with her of what the house looked like while the woman that had built the house and tended it and lived in it for almost 60 years, what she had done with the house, she had hung the very same kind of flower baskets. I'm not kidding. Same plants, same colors, same everything. So I'm getting a little creeped out. I'm beginning to think that in some crazy way, the house is trying to take possession of my thoughts. The house wants me. The house wants me to be there and the house wants me to stay. Ha. Now, here's where it even gets creepier. I said to her one day, the owner, the young owner, don't you think the gardens should get tented? Because there were all these layers of rock wall and then dead plants, rock wall and then dead plants all around the front of the house and to the side. And she was sort of like, no, never giving a firm answer. So one day, gardeners showed up. And I was really happy and they were going to plant. And I said, well, what are you planting? And they said, we are only allowed to plant what was originally here from the original owner and builder of the house. And she loved red and pink geraniums. She liked color. So I said, well, you guys are going to come back afterwards and take care of the garden and they said oh no 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 we're not coming back they had to pay us extra to even get here this time and I said what why and he said lady don't you know this house is haunted and I thought uh oh and I said so do you have a story tell me what is the legend here so here's the legend. There were gardeners right after the lady died, the owner, and she died in the house. There were gardeners there per her son. She had one child. 
to take care of the gardens the way she always had. She used to tend them herself personally. And as they were tending them, and this had to be within the first year of her passing, they saw a young girl about 10 years old, 11 years old, walking up the steep driveway. Now, you remember I said at the beginning of this podcast that it was a very steep driveway and it was very long and winding. It felt like it was almost a mile. So this girl is walking up out of nowhere and she's got kind of an old fashioned dress on like a little 1930s pinafore, 1940s. And she says, hi. And she says, what flowers are you planting? And oh, I like those colors. And then she says, do you mind if I walk around the property? I'd love to see what's in the back, which was truly a really deep, dark forest. I never myself, the whole summer I spent there, ever wandered into that forest. It was really foreboding. And I love forest. So they said, well, you know, it's not our house. We're just the gardeners. But okay. And she'd been talking to them about what they were planting and how they were going to tend it for quite a bit, quite a while. She walked around the house. They saw her walk off into the forest and she never came out. And by about four in the afternoon, it really started getting dark and they were freaked out. And they called the now owner, which was the son of the original woman who built it. And they said, this girl walked into the forest and she didn't come out. We think we should call the police. And they called the police and they could never find her. And a few years later, when the son sold the property to the now owners that we rented from, there were a whole series of scrapbooks about her as a young girl growing up in the original house. And when they turned a few pages, there were photos, portraits of the woman as a child, prepubescent child. And it was the same description as a girl that showed up out of nowhere on that long driveway and asked to go into the forest. So all the workmen and the gardeners in this neighborhood town in Connecticut just freaked out, believed that the house was haunted, didn't want to work there, would only do it in the morning and leave in the early afternoon. They did not want to be there as the shadows fell. And that was the first introduction to the fact that something was going on here. Now, I had never, I loved ghosty movies. I will tell you that I'm someone who likes my entertainment on the dark side, vampires, werewolves, 
an occasional zombie, but not really. But never thought that something literally ghosty would happen to me. Okay, here it comes. So we always had guests for the weekend. And we were sitting down to dinner. And something hit the house like a tree, a, a big tree fell over on it. And it was really loud and really like a massive sonic boom. And I told you that I'd been fluffing up pillows in the house and hanging garden baskets. And it, it all looked like how the original owner and builder took care of it. And that was freaking me. But there was also an attic and the attic had mice. So we didn't want to set traps, but what we did, because we heard that potpourri was a good um, annihilator of a mouse population, they didn't like it and they would go away. We put big bowls of fragrant potpourri up in the attic. So one of our house guests, a young guy, um, who my mate knew and actually had taken care of as a little boy, he said, I'll go up in the attic and see what's going on. I want to see if there's roof damage. He went up and he came down pale as a ghost. And he said, um, you guys, you better get up to the attic immediately. I don't know how to explain this. Okay, so there's a big staircase. There's a giant stone fireplace. Then beside it and behind it goes up a tremendous staircase. And then from there, you go up another little staircase and you get to the attic, which you can actually stand in. I'm not kidding you. The potpourri bowls were turned over and the potpourri was out of them, and someone or something had taken the potpourri and spelled out the name Diane. I'm talking about this now, and it's 25 years later, 27 years later, and I'm ice cold, and every hair on my body is standing on end. And I thought, Oh my God, this house wants me. Like, this is unbelievable. This is like possession. I'm really getting crazy behind it. Well, the guy I lived with and this young guy, they said, you know, maybe it's a friendly ghost. You should try sleeping in the attic. I said, you out of your mind, you people are crazy. I'm not going up to that attic and spending a night there by myself. Are you kidding me? I know that always happens in ghost movies where for some reason the lead character is always going to go into a graveyard in the dead of night with a little flashlight looking for something like you couldn't wait for daytime. So I said, no, I am not doing that. Absolutely not. But the next night, for some reason, I couldn't sleep. And we always had a huge fire in this fireplace. It was 
gorgeous and it was crackling and it was warm because even in the summer, the nights get so cool in Connecticut. And there was a big, wonderful, overstuffed evening um, chair in the living room right in front of the fireplace. So I'm reading a book and I fall asleep. And in my sleep, suddenly at the top of the stairs appears a woman. She's in a long dress, like something from 1910, 1915, before the roaring 20s happened and skirts got really short. So she's in a long, almost like prairie-like, country-like dress. Her hair is up in a bun, and she is a thousand shades of gray, and you can see through her. And she comes floating down the stairs, floating, floating, floating. And then she turns. Now, this is in my sleep, or I think it's in my sleep, and comes towards me, and I will never forget this. She comes right up to me, and you can see her, and she's an old woman, but you can see through her. And she cocks her head, and she cocks her head, like she's trying to figure me out and cocks her head and then goes straight through me. At which point the book goes flying in the air. I start screaming, help, 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 help. And everyone in the house, we had a house guest, everyone wakes up and comes running into the living room. And I said, I swear to God to you, I just saw a ghost. And she was all shades of gray. And she was see-through. And she was floating down the stairs. And she came up and literally went through me. So everyone is very excited. <laughs> I'm very terrified. Okay. And the guy I live with believes in spirits, so he believes it, but he's really amazed at how literal I am, how, how precise I am in my description. But after all, I'm in fashion. I'm in, an, I'm in a field of art. I'm used to looking for detail all the time. Okay, so the, that set of house guests go home. A new set of house guests come for the next weekend, and one of them is a young woman, you know, not particularly intellectual, I don't think had any belief in ghosts or, or the hereafter and never told stories about it and was a friend of my mates and had come in from California and just was like a so totally normal person. So it's, Saturday night, we've had a big, rich, comfort food dinner, and I want to go to bed, and the bedroom is 
off of the living room. So we go to bed, but she wants to stay up drinking a little bit of wine and sitting in that comfy overstuffed chair in front of a blazing fire. And then about two o'clock in the morning, we hear, And I want to preface this by saying that we had never told the story about the ghost because we didn't want people getting freaked out about the house. And we didn't, I in particular, did not want to be spreading that story. Um, I wasn't sure how people were going to take it. So as far as she knew, it was a normal house. And she's up and she's like shaking and we're trying to calm her down and said, what happened? And she said, you got it. I saw a woman all in shades of gray in a long dress and a bun at the top of the stairs. And she came floating down and came up to me and cocked her head again and again and then floated straight through me. And that girl had driven up to Connecticut. She had her own car. She left at about 4 a.m. in the morning. She didn't want to be in that house anymore at all. Okay, so that verified to me. It validated the fact that that house was definitely haunted. And that house I was incredibly uncomfortable in from that point on. And I tell you one final story about it. So we got ready to leave the house. Um, at the time, I was spending a lot of my time in Hong Kong and uh, watching production for my you know, fashion collection. And I had to leave. And it was around dusk. And my man, Jim, was already in the car waiting for me. And I said, oh, my God, I forgot something. I think it's in the kitchen. And I went back into the house to, and none of the lights were on, so it was really dark and spooky. And I went in to get something I was pretty sure was on the kitchen counter. And I found it. And I go to close the door and lock it, and something on the other end did not want me to leave that house, and it started yanking the door open, and I'm yanking the door closed, and it yanked the door open so hard that I went flying across the kitchen, and I got up, and I ran out of that place so fast, I jumped in the car and I said to Jim, you close the kitchen door. I am, I'm not getting near this place again. So spooky enough for you? Yeah, but I've got another ghost story to tell. Completely different. Visually, mentally, spiritually, crazy. Okay, so at this point, Jim and I are living in a 250-year-old farmhouse in um, upstate New York. 
Never had any experiences in the house that said, oh, it's haunty. Yeah, I loved it because it had a deep, rich history to it. But um, it was friendly. It was a friendly house. I was happy to be there. And uh, I'm in a bedroom. There were three bedrooms. And occasionally, if there was heavy-duty snoring going on, which there was, I would get a good night's sleep in a bedroom by myself. In the meantime, my mother was 94 years old, had had a stroke, and unfortunately was in um, a facility, uh, an assisted living facility, but it wasn't good. And you you just couldn't really communicate with her. But Jim would go there almost every weekend because I was always working on TV and he would sit there and hold her hand for hours. So we kept up as much of a connection as we could with my mom. And I will admit that most of my childhood and adulthood, I've had a very troubled relationship with her and it was very cold um, not particularly loving relationship, which I deeply regretted. I wanted something much more, but it just never happened. So at this point, my mom was on a feeding tube and it, it couldn't go on forever. And I had tried to, my mother wanted a right to life thing, but the rest of the family did not want that and kept thinking, oh, she's going to come back, which was not going to happen. So it was not a good situation. It was an unhappy situation, I think, on every level. So I'm sleeping and it's summertime, late summer, and it's just before daybreak. And I wake up in bed, in this weird contorted position, half up and half down. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is this what they call sleep paralysis? Like I can't really wake up and I can't scream. I can't talk. And I feel like there's two hands around my neck choking me to death and I can't breathe. And Am I hallucinating? And in my mind, I kept, my mind kept saying over and over and over again, mother, 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 and it made no sense to me. So that's going on in my mind and in my body. I'm in this contorted position and I can't breathe and I think I am going to die of asphyxiation. And that I something unknown is choking me to death. And then I swear to you, it lightens up a little. And I can start breathing again. And I'm really panting because I haven't had breath in what feels like three or four minutes. And then something totally electric shoots through me and takes me like a baseball and throws me 
against the opposite wall of the bedroom. And I'm pinned. I'm pinned. I can't move again. And at that point, I'm still in my brain going, mother, 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 mother. And I'm so shocked and I'm so flipped out that I can't move and I can't talk and I can't scream for help. And then suddenly there was a very little window in the bedroom that was totally open. Swear this happened. A phosphorescent green mist started coming into the room and it filled up the entire room with a green mist that was glowing and and had a light source of its own and then suddenly i said oh my god it's my mother she's dead and at that point the green mist went through the window like I remember even the sound of it and the phone rang and it was the assisted living facility to tell us that my mother had died about five minutes ago. I swear to you. And I went after that to a psychic for some kind of interpretation because this was truly a visitation from another dimension. How did I get all the way across the room? How was I pinned against the wall? I even had black and blue marks on my back from slamming, being slammed, not slamming, being slammed into the wall. And he said, green is the color of healing. And as your mother left the physical dimension for the spiritual, she came back to make amends with you, realizing that she had hurt you so much emotionally as a child. And she was sorry. Um, that changed my perspective on the spiritual world, on how we pass over. It changed my perspective on everything. And in a very strange way, I was glad to make that contact with my mother and say goodbye, but I never wanted to be alone in that bedroom again. And I never was alone in that bedroom again. That was so out of this dimension. It was so out of even three dimensionality or physicality that I became a great believer in um, ongoing life and spirituality after that. And yeah, okay, those are my two Shocktober stories. And we will be going into November doing double podcasts and Every extra podcast on Thursdays 
will be a story about uh, another dimension, how spirits make contact with us and very unusual experiences that cannot be explained away by our three-dimensional life. So I've never told these stories before in public. I hope you enjoyed them. For me, they were truly terrifying, but at the same time, in a strange way, deeply enriching. And I thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.